see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. It's time for trade talk. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It was a car accident that involved two of our players. Holy oh, shit. shit. Oh, shit. The car accident story is real. Uh, Igor was driving, and apparently a vehicle pulled a U-turn in front of him. Holy shit. Um, the airbags were deployed immediately, and the... Uh, Seatbelts were being worn by both players, and thankfully for that, thankfully for that, um, they were taken to New York Presbyterian to be seen by our physicians. Uh, Busnevich was quite shaken up. Uh, no, no uh, significant injuries, and he's listed as day to day. With Igor, there's a small upper body rib fracture. Holy shit! displaced. Holy shit. Uh, the estimate as of right now, uh, he will be reassessed regarding his uh, his injury in a couple of weeks. So that's where that is with the two players. Oh, my goodness. Um, and that's certainly something that in our business, you're dealt curveballs all the time. That's a, that's a tough curveball that we have to deal with. Oh, wow. Note, uh, Chris Kreider and our hockey club have come to terms on a seven-year deal. Uh, both sides worked hard at this, Jeff Gordon and Matt Cater, uh, along with Chris and the rest of us. There's lots of dialogue going on in a few days, and both sides are very happy with the deal we've been able to put together. Uh, there'll be more details to come on that, uh, to come on, on that, uh, as it just happened a few minutes ago. So we're very happy as, as a range organization that Chris has been uh, extended or, or uh, has signed a seven-year extension, and we're concerned about our two players who were in the car accident. Um, but that, through the airbag system that they had in their vehicle and the seat belts, it could have been a heck of a lot worse, so we're thankful for that. Okay, thank you. I'm going to jump back in there because the phone's ringing. Appreciate it. Oh, man, wow, that's crazy. Well, I'm, I, I can't believe that was real. First reaction from you, then. Jesus. Holy shit. I mean, the only good thing is it's not serious. Well, I mean, Igor's out for a couple of weeks, so I guess that changes the potential Georgiev Lundqvist trade situation. We're not trading a goalie. It's, it's, we're not trading a goalie at all now. Um, Kreider being extended for seven years, I have to wait for the money for the cap hit to say if I like it or not. I think seven years is a bit much for a 29-year-old player, but but yeah, the car accident, that's insane. Well, let's let's get back to the Chris. I mean, we don't know the details of the Chris Kreider thing yet um, in terms of the, the dollars. We know the year if we want the dollars in the terms. But 
Here's what I'll say regarding Chris Kreider. Regarding Chris Kreider, I I think that the that John Davidson and Jeff Gordon are looking at this this club and thinking that they're about to turn the corner, which I actually agree with. And if you're about to turn the corner, then Chris Kreider is a huge piece in your team, in your rebuild. Yep. Now, the thing is, is that the good thing is for, for, for signing Chris Kreider is that long term, when you look at this, yeah, I mean, will, will year six and seven bite you in the butt? Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, could you buy him out at that point? Maybe. So it's not the end of the world there. Um, will it help you in this, you know, the next five years where I think they're going to start really turning the corner? Yes. So there's a good there's a good thing there. The other thing is Chris Kreider's game is very very hard to replace. Whereas, I'll give you an example: a guy like a Ryan Strom, I think is easier to replace than a Chris Kreider. A Pavel Buchnevich is easier to replace than a than a Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider's game is pretty hard to replace, as long as his skill set doesn't deteriorate, as long as his speed doesn't go away, and his, you know what I mean, he stays strong. I, I think it's it's hard to replace that skill set. Now. If they're thinking they turn the corner, this is a smart move. Because also, when you look at the team down the road, they're going to be losing a lot of contracts anyways. Stahl's going to come off the books. Hank is going to come off the books. Um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Smith's money is coming off the books soon. So there's money to be, to be removed from this, this team, plus all the buyouts that they, that they have actually um, done. So yeah. I think that's great. Now, here's the thing. If let's just say they get the extension done, guessing six to six and a half million at seven years, that's a good deal. I'm actually fine with that. They're just essentially giving, I wanted six for six and a half. If they give them the seventh year, fine. You can always just eat it at the end, eat, eat that seventh year. Money, the Rays have plenty of money to eat. I just don't want to go past seven because I don't think he's worth past seven. Stay in the six range and it's a good deal. Yeah, we just got to wait for the, the what, what it is for the numbers. Yeah. Um, see, my only issue with the Chris Kreider extension for seven years is this. We all know what Chris Kreider has done the last four years. And I agree with you that it's really hard to replace that player. But my my issue with this long term extension, this is just how I see it personally looking at previous situations with other players in the, in the past, 29 to 36-year-old Kreider is not going to replace 24 to 28-year-old Kreider, in my opinion. Yeah. You're, not, you're not getting the player you've had the last four years in the next seven years. You are rewarding a player for past performances when there's a really, really good chance that he will drop off a cliff. We've seen it, through, and, and I don't want to compare him to the following players, but I, we've seen this with Girardi. We've seen this with Mark Stahl. We've oh, seen by the way, uh, Bob McKenzie just, um, he just tweeted uh, that the Kreider deal is seven years at six and a half. Okay, that's, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not happy with it, but it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. He, I mean, I, I, I was thinking he was going to get somewhere in the open market seven and seven and a half. Yeah. So six and a half, I think is, yeah. you know, and you can buy, like I said, you can buy out his final two years if you wanted to, and it's and it's still fine. Mm -hmm. that's yeah, why I, that's why I'm not that. The Rangers print money, so that's why, like, buying out a contract down the road is not the end of the world. It's if not this was, it's not about the money for me. It's never about the money for me as a Rangers fan. It's never about the money. It's not my money. 
It's about the cap hit. It's in a salary cap world. You have to think five, six steps ahead with this. And no, I get that. But at six, at six and a half, the cap hit, that's fine. Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, there, there were people who were talking about seven or maybe seven and a half. Some people were talking about seven years for eight million a year. That's a huge cap hit for a player who, and this is what I was going with a minute ago, who might not age as well as Ranger fans think he will. Because we've seen this throughout the last couple of years. Edmonton Oilers fans didn't expect Milan Lucic to fall off a cliff. Buffalo Sabres fans didn't expect Carla Poso to fall off a cliff. New York Islander fans didn't expect Andrew Ladd to fall off a cliff. Louis Erickson in Vancouver. All of these were, by the way, signed in the same year. 2016 was a brutal year for free agents. But David Backus in Boston, another example. I'm not saying that Kreider is in the same ballpark as those players. It's just that it, we have to be really lucky for Kreider to buck the trend, so to speak, for Kreider to be the exception. If Kreider is the exception, then this is a great contract and the Rangers are in a prime position to be a contender for years. If I mean, he, he, he's, a, he's a little if, bit of a physical, he's a little bit of a physical yeah, yeah, specimen. Yeah, he's listen, a little bit of a physical specimen. Listen, we heard the same with other players in the past. This whole he's a physical specimen. Fans always overestimate the ability of their own players to to be elite well past their thirties, well past the age of thirty. The players who are elite well past the age of thirty are usually players like like Ovechkin, Martin Saint Louis, Patrick Marlowe. Uh, Joe Thornton. Chris Kreider is not that type of player. Chris Kreider is, is a different type of player. He relies on speed. He relies on physic, physical play a little bit. Those two assets of a player in a vacuum don't age well after 30. So I'm a bit hesitant about the seven years. But 6.5 million, it could have been worse. Now, my second point is... I'm a little bit disappointed that the Rangers are trading Chris Kreider at a deadline where it it's like it it's like the price for for rentals is higher than it has ever been. Well, here, 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 I'll make a counterpoint to that. And I actually I think you're making a very good point because you're basically saying that, you know, I, and I agree is that the, the rental price right now is absolutely through the roof. Pajot gets well, a first, a second, and a third. Th yeah, no, I agree. But does that does that mean that the, the price now for guys who have term is astronomical? How do, you know, how do you know that Jeff Gordon doesn't turn around in the next few hours and deal off Ryan Strom for an absolute haul or deal off Tony D'Angelo for an absolute haul or, or, or Pavel Buchnevich to... He's going to have to give a deal to in, in two years. There's something to be said about that. Like, if he turns around and gives the money to Chris Kreider and says, okay, look, you wanted seven to seven and a half million. I, I, want, to do it, I want to do it six. You, I'll give you the extra year. You give me a little bit more on, on the money side. So you come down to the money. I come up on the year. We meet in the middle. I want you as part of this, this team. We're going to build around you. We're going to build around... Um, about around Zibanejad, and we're going to build around Panarin. You are the three, you know, star wingers that we're going to build this core around. And he goes around. Now he now he turns around and figures out which young pieces he has that other teams are drooling for, and will give up the farm for. Because he's going to have to. He's, he, there's only so much money to go around. So I think by him committing the money, right? So him committing the money to to Kreider, he's going to have to move some guys. So I think before he did this. He probably got some wind that whether it's now or even over the summer, he thinks that he can get an absolute haul for some of these young guys he has. 
Yeah, because if we look at the situation for next season, um, yeah, I mean, there are some small cap hits, like the 750k for Nemesnikov. Um, Girardis goes down from 3.6 to 1.1 million, so we win a little, we gain a little bit there. But the big one is, of course, the Shattenkirk uh, cap penalty, which goes from 1.4 million to six. Yes. And I don't know if now with Kreider at 6.6, I mean, Cap Friendly has already updated it. I mean, if if people are listening to this and they have never never used CapFriendly.com, this is not an endorsement. I don't get paid for this. It's the best website out there. If you like contracts, if you like CBA stuff, just just they updated it now already. It's 11:30 Eastern. We just watched the press conference. It was announced 10 minutes ago, and they already updated everything. For next season, we have a projected cap hit of 72 million with a roster size of 16. We have 9 million in cap space to add at least five players. And Strom is RFA, Lemieux is RFA, and uh, D'Angelo is RFA. So something's got to give. Someone has to go. Who that? Who that's gonna be? I don't know. Could it be Shea? I don't know. Could it be? Maybe they trade Strom. Who knows? But Strom doesn't necessarily do anything for us money-wise. He's not on the books for next season. So it no, doesn't... he's not. But 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 you're gonna have to pay him eventually. So no, no, of course. At but the rate, at the rate he's going, but here, at, at the rate he's going, he's he's putting himself into that five. I don't. I don't care. I don't care. What I'm looking at right now is we have nine million in cap space, and we need to add five players with that. With D'Angelo as a restricted free agent. Yeah, I know. So, so there's. A, I'm saying there's a, there's a good chance that one or two of these guys are gone. This, this either now or. Yeah, yeah, I know. But letting Strom and Jesper Fast walk doesn't add money to our. You know, doesn't add cap space for next season. So someone's got to go. Is it Butchnevich at three point two five million? Is it Brady Shea at five point two five? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe hell froze over and they found a, a suitor for Mark Stahl. Who knows? Or maybe Lundqvist just retires. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways to carve this up, but I, I there's going to be future moves because you can't re-sign Chris Kreider to, to six and a half million dollars and not have to move other yeah. guys because you know, essentially here's essentially essentially what, what Jeff Gordon is saying is for for the future of this organization, Chris Kreider is more important at six and a half million for his production. Than whatever I'm going to get for some of my other guys that I'm going to move. That's what he believes. I, I think there's some truth to that. Plus, you have to figure out what you're going to get in return for that. So it's like it's not just trading a player; it's trading a player what that player returns plus what you get what you're getting from Chris Kreider at six and a half million. If, if for whatever reason, let's say you can trade Brady Shea and you get let's say a young prospect, so you you take it six million dollars off your books essentially giving it to chris Kreider, so it's, a, it's essentially a wash at that point. and you maybe you know revamp your uh, your system a little maybe you add another forward who knows i mean there's there's a lot of ways to dice this up that this is very incomplete to to, to take an analysis to because there's there's you have to see the final picture of this i don't know what jeff gordon's thinking but i do i i will say that what he does think is that Chris Kreider is very important to this rebuild, or else he would have not given them. He would have not buckled on that seventeen. Yeah. He basically says, "I'm giving you years six and seven, and he knows in the back of his mind that six and seven are probably not going to be good years for, for for Chris Kreider, and he's okay with having to 
buy out that contract down the road and have five good years of Chris Kreider and not a good six or seven, and that's fine with him. But he's thinking, what I need to do is make sure that I, I I'm, I've turned the corner already. My, my team is, 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 is on the, the up. Shostorkin is the future. Georgiev, maybe he's here to stay. I don't know. These, these young kids, these young defensemen are looking good. The forwards are good. Like, I've got enough pieces to build on. We're starting to turn the corner here. Next year is going to be a big year for us. So I'm not going to trade Chris Kreider for a future that I don't know what I'm going to get out of it, but I know what I'm going to get out of Chris Kreider in the next five years. And he's okay yeah. with that. No, no, I get that. But like you said, and, and yes, you, you have a point when you say the extension of Chris Kreider points in the direction of Gordon not being done for the day. Um, we are recording like early in the day for you, at least for me, it's 5.30 p.m. I already finished a day of work. But um, there's still three and a half hours to go. Let's say four hours because some trades are usually announced after the deadline passes, as long as the paperwork is in at the central registry, you know. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, um, but, yeah, that's the Kreider situation. I, I, I'm I still sh shocked by the Shestyork and Butchnevich story. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy, man. Uh, um, I didn't think that was real. I saw it on Twitter. I didn't believe it. I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't really go after the guy for tweeting. All I said was, if this isn't, if this is not true, you should delete your account because that's not something you just throw out there. Yeah. But it, it's true. Butch Nevich day to day. Just working out for a couple of weeks with a broken rib. That's that's a serious injury. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, and I'm just I'm just thinking of the mental uh, challenge that comes with this for a guy like Shostorkin, you know. Um, he's 24 years old. He was doing great with the Rangers. He won nine out of ten games, and then this non-hockey related thing happens. And it changes his life. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but um, when I lived in South Africa when I was 22, I was involved in a car accident too. I was sitting in the back seat. I wasn't driving. Um, but I ended up in the hospital, strange country. Uh, I, luckily, I spoke the language because they mostly speak English there. But still, you're in a strange country. You don't have any friends, no family around you. Um, I had, a, I had a, um, a punctured lung, a broken collarbone, a uh, broken leg, and I had to recover for months. And it was rough because, you know, you all of a sudden you have to rely on yourself in a strange country. And the people you talk to, like I was Skyping my brother back in the Netherlands and, you know, it's nice that you have someone to talk to, but they're not there for you to look after, you know, or just to, you know, buy some groceries for you. You have to rely on, on people that you don't really know, like your neighbors or your colleagues that I only lived there for three months at a time. The people I worked with, I didn't really know them, but I had to rely on them for the most basic things. Um, so I hope that he gets through this, especially mentally. I think this could be a challenge for him. I really hope he gets through this because man, this is a shit way to end your season. 
Yeah. And John Davidson said he'll be reevaluated in a few weeks. There's only six weeks left in the season. And a yeah. broken a broken rib is not something you 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 shrug off in a few days or even in a week or two. That no, can't... no, no. Broken ribs take a while. Um, I, I actually, if I had to be completely honest here, uh, um, there's a chance you don't see him the rest of the year. Yeah, and and the Rangers don't really need to rely on him. I mean, yeah, they have two good goalies that they can put in net and. There's no reason to rush him. By the time he's back to, by the time he's getting close to to being ready, we might not even be in a in a playoff spot anymore. So why rush him? So they might just give him off the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably true. But yeah, that's a, whew, that's a bad story. And yeah, the press conference was definitely for that. The Chris Kreider extension was a little uh, was a nice extra thing at the end, but man, this is um, yeah, this is scary. Yeah, and I think it's just it's a reminder for fans that you know that our players are also just people. You know, they're just like yeah. you and me. They can they can they can be in a car crash and end up in the hospital like ever like anyone else. Yeah, hundred <sighs> percent. Yeah. Man, it's just it's I think it's just wild. The fact that I, you know, I, I saw that that rumor floating around. I was like, man, that that sounds a little sketchy. I saw it, too. Yeah. I thought it was sketchy. I didn't believe it. Maybe I didn't want to believe it. But it just it, it was also from a Twitter account that wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really someone who who breaks news ever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm skeptical when that happens. Um but yeah, it's. I'm happy that they're okay, relatively okay. I mean, Butch Nevich day to day, Shostjorkin a broken rib. Is the bro- if the broken rib is the worst thing to come out of a car crash, then then we as fans and and Shostjorkin as a person is lucky. Oh no, yeah. I mean, like I, my my actually my concern um, when when they actually mentioned the word car crash was things like, oh, did they have any head injuries? Like anything serious that they had, you know what I mean? Something like that would be much more serious. Or, you know, did they, did they mess up one of their joints in, mm. in a car accident? That, I mean, that, that, you know, a broken rib is bad, but it's, you know, that in a, in a, in a few months, he's going to be a little bit better on that and it'll be fine. But I mean, let's just hypothetically say that, you know, it was, it was a serious neck injury. That's, 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 that's life altering. Yeah. Or if he, you know, if he mangled up his leg and, you know, tore a bunch of ligaments, like, he might never be the same after he, he you know, he uh, gets his surgery. So things like that would have been a little bit more worrisome. So if all yeah, they and- have, if they have no no internal injuries, uh-huh. no brain injuries, and it's just you know uh, uh, a broken rib and they kind of just shook up over that, yeah. I mean, will they will they be will will they you know probably not be the same the rest of the year? Sure, but I think next year they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, and also the the, the word car crash or car accident. I mean. It can it can mean so many things. It can it, it can be a fender bender when you know all you have is you know you feel a little bit sore, um, or it can be like and and this, I don't want to think about this, but it just popped in my head when I heard the word, the Paul Walker situation where you know it's it's such a serious crash that people actually die. And 
between those two, there's a really wide range of whatever can happen when a car crashes. So all things considered, I think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's shocking. Yes. It's a shocker, but it could have been much worse. So it could have been, but let's also, you know, I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, a, a fender bender can actually, you know, do some, do some damage too. I mean, it doesn't have to be a full on, you know, car flipping down the road to be a car accident. Like I've been in car accidents before and even just a small little fender bender can, can do some da- do some damage. Nothing long-term, but enough to shake you up for a little while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, is this going to bother them for the rest of the year? Probably. Um, uh, you know, I mean, and also whenever you're in a car accident, man, like at least for me, I know it, it, it fucks with you mentally a little bit. Like you just uh, me- yeah, but more mentally, country. mentally it's going to be a challenge. And especially for Shesh Jorkin, who's been in the U S for six months, you know, everything's still new to him. And now he has to deal with something he never prepared for. Yeah. So I hope he gets through this. I hope the Rangers give him the support he needs. Uh, I'm pretty sure they will. Um, but there's, there's only so much an organization can do, you know, you can, you can, you can provide all the help you can, but on a, on a subconsciously on a mental level, it might not be enough. So I really hope he gets through this. And when September is around the corner for preseason, he's, he's back in the net again. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So now I think the interesting, the interesting question is, is what exactly now happens with, um, the rest of the players on this Ranger roster. I think that's the interesting thing. What happens now is, is who gets moved, who gets moved and who, who gets moved and who gets moved where. And, and is it now or is it at the, the draft or is it over the summer? Because something's going to have to get at some point. Yeah. Uh, At least one contract has to be moved. And that's what I brought up earlier. Not guys like, not guys like D'Angelo, Strom, Lemieux, or Fast, because they're all they're not on the books for next season. A contract that is on the books for next season, preferably <coughs> longer, needs to be moved out. And the one that makes the most sense is Brady Shea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Carolina needs a defenseman with Brett Pesci out for, for the rest of the season. They 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 just traded four assets to acquire uh, Trocheck from Florida, so they are going for it. Yeah. Um, you know, another, another thing I just realized too. I'm looking at their cap friendly team. Um, they're gonna have to think about Mika Zibanejad soon. Yeah. What do you have left? Two years. Two years. You're gonna have to think about his next deal. And if I'm them, I want to buy out the. I want to. But yeah. I can. I don't know if he's going to want to do it, but I, I would see if I can rip up this deal now. Uh, you, you, uh, that's not possible. You can only start contract negotiations in the final 12 months of a contract. You can't do it with, two, with, with, uh, with 24, 24 months left? You can't, only 12? No, only 12 months. Unless, the contract, to... unless right. the contract is a one-year contract, then you can only do it on January 1st. All right, so we're gonna have to we're just gonna have to play with him next year, and then in twenty twenty one start negotiating. Yeah, twenty twenty one is going to be a lot easier to negotiate because that's when the three mammoths of contracts come off the books. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you, 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 won't, and you won't have any more. You won't have any more. Uh, you won't have any more Mark Stahl. 
You won't have any more Brendan Smith and you won't have any more Lundquist. So you, you're losing essentially $20 million in contract. So And, I mean, and the Shattenkirk uh, penalty goes from $6 million to one4 Yeah, so essentially in 2021, you can afford to give Zibanejad $8 million or $9 million if you wanted to. Yep, but here's the other thing for 2021. Um, Bucinevich, Hedl, Howden, and Gautier are restricted free agents. Yeah. Well, I mean, th that's why we have time to see how they develop and try to see if we yeah. can and, and what kind of contract we want to give them. I'm sure they'll make it work somehow. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, that, that is actually not that much of a issue to me. But thinking about the team now, you start looking at some players that, you know, have some value. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, Ryan Strom's making 3.1 now. You know he's going to make more next year. He has to. Yeah. So is he a, a possible PC move? Maybe. It doesn't, it doesn't move the needle, though, for next season. That's the thing. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because he's no, no. Listen, it, I've, I've explained this already. He's not on the books for next season, so he doesn't count towards anything. You need to free up some salary for next season. That's why you need to trade a player that is signed for at least one more season to make it work next season. I'm looking at the, the let's see. because if you're on other, upper limit. yeah, you have to sign at least five players with nine million left. Yeah, you have nine point. You have nine point one million to do one, two. Three, four, five, what, six players? Six players. Uh, subtract one million for operational. Uh, okay, uh, so say eight million, eight million dollars for right? six players. Right, right. So say, say you say you trade Strom. You're going down now. You're going down five players, right? So you don't have to worry about signing him anymore. What right? do you mean so five you... players? No, 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 no. What do you mean five players? You still have to sign six. No, you, no, you, no. I'm talking about if you if you trade a Ryan Strom, you don't have to worry about re-signing him. No, but we still only have 16 players on the on the on the roster for next season. Right, but I mean, but but what I'm saying is, let's just say, let's just hypothetically say that Filipino takes his role next year. You're not going to tell me you can't you can't fill um, a, a, a you know a center on your your bottom six somewhere with a with a, with a, with a cheap player. You probably could. That's not the way to look at it. The way you look at it is this: we have 16 players on the contract for next season. That includes two goalies, so we're set there, assuming we don't we trade Georgiev in the summer and right. long doesn't retire, whatever. Right. Yeah. We have for next season, we have six defensemen, so we need an additional one. That can be a cheap guy, that's fine. You call up Rikov or whatever, that that's okay. But then forwards, the players that are signed for next season now are Panarin, Zabanajet, Kreider, Bucinevich. Mm -hmm. That's four of your top six. And then you have Kako, Hedo, Hedo, Gautier, and Howden. That's it. Yep. That's all that is signed. That's all. That's all you have. So you need to sign five forwards and a defenseman for eight say, million. Say, say, but say, say, you, say you get a defenseman on an entry-level contract. Let's just hypothetically say. Okay. That leaves five players for $7 million. Right. It's not a lot of room, but Brendan Lemieux shouldn't take that much money to re-sign. So okay, what about D'Angelo? Well, that's my point. Is that I think D'Angelo is probably the odd man out because how much money he's going to request? Unless you trade, unless him, you like trade Brady Shea. Shea, which I mean, I mean that's possible too. 
So it looks like it comes down to Shea or D'Angelo. Because even if you if you keep Shea, you have one, one option left, and that is to fill your roster with players making less than a million and a half. Yeah. And so that's, really, not, really, that's, really, not, that's not going to look pretty. That's not going to look pretty. If you fill out your top six with some free agent acquisitions that make between 1 and 1. 1.5 million, mm-hmm. that's not going to look good. Well, do you expect the cap to go up? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but that's not something you should count on. I know. If 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 the cap goes up, that's that's a little bonus you get, like a little bit of extra sp- uh, uh, to spend. But there are years where the cap has gone up by a million. Yeah. Oh, Wayne Simmons was traded to Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. Well, it looks like Buffalo is finally going for it. It took them long enough. Yeah. So let's say, let's say for example, so going through this math here, Brendan Lemieux shouldn't take too much to re-sign. Um, Jesper Foss is probably going to be gone, so maybe you fill his role with another young player. Maybe. Yep. Yep. Right. So those. So really, you got to worry about. McKegg is going to be gone. Greg McKegg's gone. Um, so you're thinking about. Really, it's, it comes down to Ryan Strone. You're gonna have to give some money to, and D'Angelo. Those are the two guys that are gonna take big. Gonna, gonna take a big leap next year in terms of dollars. That so your 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 seven or eight million dollars of operational money is basically gonna go there. That's the majority of where your money's going. Yeah, but I'm saying so if you if you replace Ryan Strone with someone who's cheap, you can actually keep D'Angelo and pay him, give him a decent check, and then just. Fill Ryan Strome with a young player on an entry level contract. It's got. It's going to be very difficult if you don't trade a contract. No, that's, I, that's, I, that's why I'm saying. I think. I think that's probably what's going to happen in the next either the next few hours or at the deadline. I mean, at the yeah, deadline at um at the, the draft. draft or at, over the summer. I I think. I think either Ryan Strome. Stop! Stop Great looking at Ryan Strom. No, no, it has to be an active contract, not a. No, I, I still, but I, but I still think Ryan Strom is probably. Yeah, of course he, he, yeah, he is gone, but it doesn't change anything. We need to change. We need to trade money that's on the books next season, and that's not the Angelo. That's not Lemieux. That's not Strom. We need to trade someone who's under contract next season to and make that it could, work. That could also be Pavel Buchnevich too. Could be Buchnevich, sure. Because it's not going to be Panera. He's, he's, got, he's got, what, how many years of RFA now? One? Um, let me check. I think, right? Just 2021, right? He's 24. You, you we reach... a, did, we give, did we give him a bridge deal? I thought we did. It doesn't matter. Um, it's all about age or uh, pro seasons. You, you uh, hit UFA status if you are either 27 on July 1st or you played seven pro seasons. Okay, he has. He's not going to turn twenty-seven, but how he's, many years? How many? How many turning, years he played? He's turning twenty-five next uh, in two months, which means in twenty twenty-two, he will reach his UFA years. Okay, so we so we have him for two for another year of control then. After his contract ends, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So after after his current deal, we have one more year of control, and then the strong situation we have now. That's that's Butchnevich in a year. Correct. Look, 
something has to and some something has to give. And it's not it's not gonna be Strom, Lemieux, or D'Angelo. It has to be a, a contract that's on the books for next year. We can talk about Strom, D'Angelo, and Lemieux all we want. But if they want to make this work, if they want to have some flexibility to fill out the rest of the roster, then someone's gotta go. And it's not gonna I be mean, true, but it's here, listen, the good, the good thing listen. is if they can no, no, listen, listen. It's not going to be Truba. It's not going to be Panarin. It's not going to be Zibanejad. It's not going to be Stahl because he has a no-move clause. That's not happening. Nobody wants Brandon Smith. So it's either Brady Shea or Pavel Buchnevich. That's what it probably comes down to unless Lundqvist retires. Or, or Tony D'Angelo. That's another one. No, because D'Angelo doesn't change anything for next season. Yes, it does, dude. Yes. No, because he's not under contract. What, what part of that do you not understand? Yes, it does. D'Angelo is not under contract. You have, you have, you have. You, I understand you. Have, you have certain amount of money that you that you have left in your bank to spend for the year. But if you're committing that money to an R to one of your RFA's, who knows when to make a big jump, and he's off your roster, it allows you to fill that roster spot with a much cheaper player. Yeah, but that's not the point I'm trying to make. You're, you're talking. Yes, you are. You're talking about how many ro- how many roster spots we need to actually pay money out. No, versus- that's not what I said. What I said was, if we want more flexibility to fill out the roster, we need to shed salary. Trading D'Angelo is not shedding salary because he's not on the books for next year, as of now. I, under- I understand that. But what I'm saying is, by trading him, you do, you do give yourself a little bit more room. No, it doesn't change anything. It just means you need to replace him with a different player. Right. But you need to replace him already. The situation I'm I'm presenting is you don't already, need to replace you know you know you don't you don't you're probably going to wind up paying him. Oh, the, the situation oh, I was dude, what, what the, part of that don't you understand? The situation I was explaining is where D'Angelo and Lemieux are not even under contract. I understand that. So my point is, is you're gonna you're gonna replace them. Either they're gonna sign as as RFAs, or you're gonna replace, or you're gonna trade them or replace them with somebody else. Correct. Yes, but exactly. My point no, no. is, is you have, but you have money that you have. You have an allotted amount of cash that is reserved for your six to seven roster spots that you need to fill on top of what is already currently on the books. Correct. But they aren't on the books, so it doesn't create cap space. I'm not talking about them, though. But you have. That's what I'm talking about. Them. That's yeah, what I'm talking if about. You don't, if, if they're not on your rosters, if they're not on your roster spot, you can fill them with a much cheaper. You can you can literally have you know three or four you know you know very cheap signings and be able to handle this. Yes, but it doesn't create more cap space. You're not trying to. Cre- you have you have money. You you're not at the you're not over the cap currently. Nope. That's my point. If they want to create, if they want to have more flexibility, like more money to spend next season, the only way to do it is to trade a contract that's on the books for next season. No, your your goal is to be able to be under the cap next year. Yes. Yes. That's and they point. can, and they can, but at the moment they need to add six players for eight million. Yes, my, that's my point. And my point is, if, is if some of those eight, some of those players that you need to replace, if you do it at at, at entry level contracts. It makes it easier to sign another player. Sure, but if you let's say you add five players at an entry level deal, that gives you three million for that sixth player. It, it's not it's not a lot. No, I'm not I'm I'm not saying it's a it's a, 
I'm not saying that it's the ideal situation, but what I'm saying is it is an option, it is a route for them to take. They could explore what that means. Like, for example, they could explore what trading D'Angelo would return. Maybe that returns a player that is on an entry-level contract that is quite valuable. Sure, but okay, if you talk about returns, yes, you could you could get roster players in return that are that are cheap on the books. That's my but, point. You, you, you know, when you talk about a trade, it's not always just getting rid of something. It's what you're getting at. So if you can turn Tony D'Angelo, who is going to make a, quite a bit of money next year, into a forward, let's say, that's going to you know cost you very, very little and again, it's going to be very highly productive for you, let's just say, it makes it easier for you to digest and say, okay, well, now, now we're not as hamstrung to say we need to move Pavel Bushnevich or we're not as gung-ho to move Brady Shea immediately. We, we can wait for our, the right deal. Or we can just buy our time one more year until Stahl and Smith and Hank come off the books. Yeah, if, if they can trade D'Angelo or even Lemieux or Strom for younger players that are cheap on the books for one year to bridge that gap until we get all that cap space back in 2021, that would be a great solution. That's but, my point. Well, that was my point from the beginning. Yeah, 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 but my point was to free up cap space. And you're not freeing up cap space by trading RFAs because they're not on the, book any, on the books anyway. That was my point. I, no, I understand, I understand what you're saying, but what I'm saying is it, I'm looking at the bigger implications. So if you trade RFAs, you're not just trading them for trading them's sake. You're going to get something in return. And if that something in return is a roster player who's making nothing, it does help you. Yeah, it helps you. It just it, it doesn't generate more cap space because you're basically trading them for the same cap hit, which is great. But uh, you you fill out one spot with that, and Gordon's gonna right, have but a but but you're not but you're not over the limit where you need to say I need to move guys because I can't because even at the current no, rate I can't afford to sign more. No, we're not. We're not. But the situation we're in now for next season, Gordon's gonna have a hard time. Signing players for more than than like a million without going over the cap because he has to add like six of them with only nine million. That's so that's correct. That's that, correct. that's going to be that's going to be a tough sell if you or it's, it's going to be a, a tough situation if you're not shedding salary in the summer. And the the only two options I see for that scenario are what I said earlier: Butchnevich or Shea. I think Bushnevich could return more than Shea, to be honest. You think Bushnevich can return more than what? Than Brady Shea. Oh, 100% he can. I think, I think Pavel Bushnevich has a, has a, can get you a, quite, a, quite a good return, actually. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. The, um, it's, it's noon now for you, right? That is correct. Uh, it's 6 p.m. for me. We have three hours to go. Um, Let's just end this here and then record again after the deadline has passed and we can discuss the other moves that we have made or maybe not have made. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's much going on at the moment. Um, like I said, Wayne Simmons was traded, but who really cares about that? It's, it's a nothing move to the Sabres. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, the, the biggest news really is the, the Chris Kreider re-signing and then obviously yep. the accident news, which is... Um, Marlowe actually was traded for a third round pick in 2021. That's a pretty good return for Patrick Marlowe. Um, and it's a conditional pick. If the Penguins win the Stanley Cup, it becomes a second round pick. 
That's an outstanding return. Simmons was traded for a conditional fifth round pick, which can become a fourth round pick if Simmons plays 10 games. <laughs> these, and, GM, and they, these GMs love these GMs love this these uh these conditions. Yeah, and if they make the playoffs, of course, that's another condition. Then there was the Trocheck deal for Eric Haula, Lucas Walmark, Chase Prisky, and A2 Luostarinen. And then, of course, the Pajot trade, which is the worst one of the day. Yeah. A first, a second, and a third for Pajot. That's, that's, an, first, that's an incredible first, return for him, by the way. The way. first round pick is top three protected. That's still great. So if the Islanders miss the playoffs and by some miracle win the draft lottery, then the Senators get next year's first round pick. Oh, and then the Mesnikov for a fourth rounder, of course. Wow. So, yeah, we'll see what happens in the next three hours. It's uh, the most fun day of the year. It's like Christmas. Yes, it is. This, All right. that, 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 was some, that was some pretty big news. All right, great.